Welcome, Outsiders. You're listening to the H&H Outfitters Podcast. You guys, a while back, we tried our hand at our very first live stream slash podcast. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but it ended up being really good. This is that live stream in podcast form with Aaron Zanoko and John Coots from River Guide Service. Check it out. Have fun with us. Thanks for listening. Oh, I love it. All right. All right. Can you hear it? Maybe. Can the people hear it? All right. We are live. Is it better than Raining Men? It is better than Raining Men. Uh, I'm sure the people enjoyed the... Uh, Enjoy the different theme songs that you come up with. Well, here's what I want to start doing as of next week. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick a new obscure song once a week, and the first person to write in with a correct answer as to what it is is going to win a prize every Friday. Um, cool. Yeah. I probably should have told you about that before I uh, just did it, but you know. Oh, Edward Mulhair. All right, guys, welcome to the H&H uh, podcast slash live stream. Uh, this is the first week we're doing this with uh, live streaming it as well as podcasting at the same time. And so all hell will likely break loose, but why not? That's how we do it. Yeah. All right, so I'm Alex. This is Cobb. Correct. And today we are joined by... Today we are going Here to be joined by... Um, oh. Stop. <laughs> um, today we are going to be joined by Aaron Zanoko and John Coots from River Guide Service. All right. Um, looks like we got to pull them up. Yeah. Give me just a second. Give us just a second. These are the technical get them back on the line here. Looks um, like we got a couple people watching. Um, we're this call, is the first time we're going to be live streaming and podcasting at the same time. So yeah, my wife decided that she would call at the beginning <laughs> of my. Um, yeah, we're back. Thank All you. right, fantastic. Sorry about that, guys. Aaron Zanoko, John Coots from River Guide Service down in Yuba City, California. Correct. How are you guys yep. doing today? Wonderful, wonderful. Awesome, guys. Awesome. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. You're our first guests. Ever. Um, so, um, so everybody knows, um, I have been friends with Aaron Zanoko since literally, uh, and I don't even know if Aaron knows this, but uh, there is actually a picture of Aaron and I as babies in the bathtub together. We used to uh, wash each other's butts. That I have, I have seen. I have known Aaron my entire life, uh, and uh, and uh, and John Coots I have known now for oh a, a number of years, and. Um, and these guys are, are uh, people that uh, we grew up with and, and live where we grew up and uh, people that we're incredibly close with and uh, have a great deal of respect for and uh, are really glad that you guys could take the time to, to join us today. So thank you for doing that. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's dive in talking to you guys and see what's going on. I think I'm going to jump in with my first question. If Aaron, if you could give me a kind of recap of your salmon season i guess you've been uh pretty much on the boat every day for the last what how many days well it's kind of had a different year i've got a mover can you guys do that uh no i don't yeah you guys are probably hearing it but we're not hearing it there 
we uh, our year started a little lighter than Finley because uh, the fish just got hung up outside the Golden Gate last year. So there was a huge bunch of anchovies sitting out there right at the Golden Gate, and as the fish were coming in this year, they just got stuck right there, and we're just hammering on anchovies for like three weeks. Yeah, and so it took them a while. We didn't get into the river. Um, I went out on the ocean with James Smith, uh, runs a boat down there, that done, and literally from Alcatraz Island all the way to the Golden, it's about a mile and a half. It was 30 feet in and 56 foot long. Oh, it was wow. crazy. Crazy. Um, hey, are we having an issue with hearing him? Is he coming through okay? I mean, yeah. Are you talking? Uh, are you talking directly into the mic, or you got the phone leaning against your face? I got it. Uh, yeah. See, I'm hearing myself. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that, man. I don't know why you're hearing yourself, but you're uh, just just know that you're kind of muffling from time to time. So, but guys, okay. we're gonna get this worked out. So, but you're coming in fine. So that we asked friends. And, and so, so you had did that? Was that causing a little late start to the season? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those fish, like I said, were just staying right outside the gate. Yeah. And feeding for an extremely long time. And so where we normally get started, like in the first part of August, I didn't start taking guys till the 20th of August. And from that time on, we ran every day until the closure on the 15th of October. Yeah. And I noticed once you guys got, uh, you know, once you guys really got rolling, it seemed like it was actually a really good season. It was, they all showed up at once. Right. And what was nuts that we had never seen before on the Feather River system, we were pumping 9,000 CFS. So the big water, lots of oxygen. The fish were just supercharged off these anchovies. Mm -hmm. And they were just incredibly, incredibly strong. It was insane. We. I broke three rods, had a rod taken out of a guy's hand, <laughs> a countless lines busted, had to get bigger equipment, bigger hooks, bigger leader. Like, people were handing the rod off wow. fighting 18-pound salmon. They, they couldn't do it. It wow. was insane. Wow. We what pulled was... out a lingcod rod finally, and uh, we put that on rotation throughout the boat all season for, like, the first month. And now and it, is that... That was about the only thing you could do to winch one up. Aaron, is, do, do you think that that's because, and I'm guessing, you know, like you're saying, you had a lot of water moving. You know, you guys had a record-breaking uh, winter as far as water uh, goes this year. And so it sounds to me like those fish were strong and, uh, you know, and they had a lot of water to swim in uh, this year versus previous years where I know you guys have really been uh, hurting for water. And, uh, you know, those fish, I would imagine, when they got to fight through that lower water, get a lot more tired getting that high up. Yeah, they, we had them in all the water they wanted. Yeah. <laughs> Over there in the outlet, you know, where the, where the water comes in, it was just so oxygenated and cold and just made the fish crazy strong. Uh, so what kind, of, what kind of setup were you using? We pretty much just hang eggs. Yeah. So we get up in those holes up there and drop our eggs down and bring them up a couple of cranks off the bottom and just float around in those big pools. Yeah. 
So, so and it was a great year. It really was. Um, the numbers seemed really good, but all the fish just went up to that oxygen, right? And they stayed there. Can so, you can you attribute some of those problem? Can you attribute some of those numbers to to the uh, hatchery programs out that way? Yeah, they're they're getting they got plenty of fish coming through now. Um, they opened the hatchery like the twenty second of September, and they've been hitting great numbers. Uh-huh. We our organization, our sportsman's organization, we got the DWR mm-hmm. to actually raise us two million more fish in the hatchery system because of the Orville debacle last year. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so we're gonna have they have a capacity of nine million fish. Uh, where they were only raising seven. Yeah. So now this year they're going to do nine million. And so you, think, you think that that seven is that, you know, obviously everybody's probably got an idea of what that's about, but you it's probably budgetary. And What's that? Do you think they're probably hanging out around that seven million instead of instead of reaching capacity because of like budgetary reasons and that type of stuff? Or what? why would they not go to... Money. Always money. Yeah, yeah, I figured. You know, we got DWR to fund them another three hundred grand. It's one hundred and fifty thousand to feed them. Yeah. And extra employee and another trailer. Mm-hmm. And what that trailer is, so they can uh, transport these fish from the hatchery. Awesome. Now, John, this was your first year uh, kind of working with Aaron, was it not? Where's that? Hold on a second. <laughs> Johnny, this was your first year working uh, working alongside, and obviously not your first year fishing, but your first year, uh, you know, working alongside Aaron uh, on the boat. Is it not? Oh, uh, this will be third year running with Daniel. You know, I've been both, you know, full time and then uh, you know weekends. Cool. Nice and and I what I mean versus you know I've obviously fished with both of you guys uh, on multiple occasions, but I mean I noticed this year you know you're you kind of stepped in a different direction it seemed like to me as far as working with Aaron and I just wondered what that's like for you to kind of go from the you know the role that you know just really kind of being a fisherman to really being more of a, a guide and, and helping these clients you know as they're out there on the water what's that what's that was like that what was that like for you this year well it's, it's definitely been a growing and learning experience it's you know different from being a good fisherman be careful with that mic john a good guy uh you know working with Aaron, seeing how he worked with his clients what he teaches them, you know, not just going out every day, catch fish, and that's what we're here to do. He's out there to show up a good trip, and hopefully at the end of the day, there's a bonus. Go home with fish, you know, if that's a reward, it's a reward. You know, not only from Aaron, but uh, from his father, you know, our late Jimmy Duke, that uh, passed away early this spring. It's, it's something that if, if, if you go to these rivers every day, you know, with a smile on your face, and you know that you're trying to teach these people something, you show everyone respect. You know, hopefully you can you can hope that they uh, do back well. Yeah. Especially for this year, kind of stepping out, being able to take a few comments for Aaron on Jimmy's boat. It, it's definitely been a, it's been a big boy growing experience, and 
instead of just being the backhand for them, it's nice being able to be responsible for people on my own. And it goes different from just catching fish, knowing, hey, it's, uh, it's, it's time to make sure these people have a stake and fun trip and like taking from him. Hey, if, if we can finish at the end of the day, it's a bonus. So Absolutely. Something doing. And, you know, hopefully everybody else can take something like that from. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron, um, let, let me ask you a question real quick. Uh, do, do, do I got Aaron on there? Yeah, I'm right here. Awesome, buddy. Uh, Johnny, watch your mic when you're uh, on there, too. Aaron got it figured out on the last time. Thank you for doing that, by the way. Um, you know, uh, John brought up your, your dad, and um, I think that that's a pretty cool thing. Um, you know, I, I know your dad. I've known your dad God forever. Um, you know, we used to work on, on his boat and do stuff for him uh, when we had the boat shop. And and I know that for him, being a good steward was a really big thing and teaching people. And uh, he was just never one of those guys that was uh, territorial of the water. He, he shared it with everybody and he did it with, with joy. It wasn't even begrudgingly. And I wonder how much of that has been passed on to you. And, um, you know, how... How has been a, being able to teach somebody like, uh, you know, John and work with somebody like him, you know, what does that mean to you to, to carry on that legacy that, that was uh, so important to your dad? It's huge. It is, uh, I looked at everything a lot different now, you know what I mean, that he's not here. And the role I play is just trying to build this void, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't look at... Uh, Oh, it's hard to explain. Um, I thought I had the right to do anything I wanted, and, and I could go anywhere and say anything to anybody and glare at people and whatever. No more of that. I'm teaching everybody, <laughs> smile, wave at every boat. It's just uh, different now. So uh, big, big shoes to fill for him. Sure. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Probably a pretty uh, humbling experience to... Uh, to have to fill that that void and wear those shoes, so yeah. exactly, it was much different than I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that you bring up, though, is is that you know um, I think you can probably attribute some of that to youth as well. You know, we're all none of us are getting any younger, and as you grow up and you're a father and you and you watch your boy and and friends with children and you take them fishing you know what kind of example are you setting for them you know and are they going to be are you going to set a good enough example that they're going to carry on once you're gone you know um and i did see i saw that your little guy got his first uh big fish this year and uh so did dust uh, yeah, absolutely. Bryce. Yeah, Dustin's son Bryce did too. And I, what was that like for you, man? To to it was that was amazing. That was so much fun. <laughs> he uh, he had a ball with that. He he's caught stripers, shad, trout, but uh, no salmon. You know, at yeah. that age, it's you're really close. You got to hang on to the rod with him. But uh, he winched in like five or six that day. He was he thought it was great. That's awesome, man. And that's really what it's about, you know. I think that's that's kind of coming from where we come from. We always tell people when we talk about that uh, Northern California area, 
you know, we very often tell people it's kind of a time warp, man. It's, you know, things don't change that much down there. And everything, good and bad, unfortunately, is passed on. And, uh, you know, it's it's just it's one of the last places that you see uh, the grandfather to to father to son, you know, kind of uh, pass on of traditions that it's still very much a real thing down there. Uh, and it's died in a lot of places. But in that area, uh, it, it, it's unique to that area that that, that, that continues. Yeah, your son, I mean, if your dad fished, you're more likely going to fish. If your dad was a duck hunter, man, uh, you're going to end up hunting, you know what I mean? Yeah. It is like that around here. Yeah. Nobody, for the for the males, most of them, they do as their father did before them. They don't all leave the area, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I think that that's an interesting question that I had was uh, culture-wise. I mean, growing up down there, that's just what you did, right? You know, I mean, it was everybody did it. And are you seeing as you as you get older and you and you have kids and 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 and, era, uh, and your friends have kids and so on? Are you seeing that that is going away, or are you seeing that that type of uh, the handing down the tradition is, is is still going on today. Oh, it's absolutely um, carrying on. That's great. Uh, all of our close close friends that have kids, they're doing the same thing we were doing when we were little. <laughs> you know, and all the guys I know that fish all the time that have young kids, they've always got them with them. Um, the guys at my duck club, all bringing those kids to the duck line with them it's they're going to do the same thing yeah that's awesome i think that you know we spent some time in texas recently and we were really taken aback by the uh the kids more than anything and how yeah. polite they were and the the way that they treated uh each other but the way they treated adults especially and um and we've had a lot of conversation about the fact that you can't introduce that that is part of the fabric of the uh of the culture down there in the environment and uh, I think the same goes for exactly what you're talking about uh, down there in that area is you can't just create that it's one of those things that's literally it's part of the DNA of the people uh, in that area yeah it totally is so uh, I, we should probably transition on to duck season right yeah tonight's uh, opening night I've got a big dinner going. I'm going to a big dinner here in Sacramento at 5:30. Yeah, you and, got. Uh, uh, you, this is like Christmas Eve for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. So, so, so. Our club that I work for, we're fully flooded. Um, we got 17 members down there, and we got a pile of ducks sitting down there. Nice. All kinds of different species there are a lot of weirdo ducks in our rice field and our marshes just plugged out with mallards we had all that spring rain you know so our local mallard hatch down here was great they were nesting three times yeah in all in all kinds of weird places the mallard hatch was phenomenal phenomenal now do you guys um offer trips you know if, if people are interested can they contact you guys and come down to uh to duck hunt with you as well as yeah. fish i keep a, a guideline that 
we operate on the non-shoot days. Um, this year it's all natural. They didn't get in and get planted. Uh, so it's like five foot high, smart weed and all kinds of natural brushes. As soon as they put the water on it, it's going to be amazing. And, uh, and when are you thinking well, that we have an area, it'll be good throughout the season. Now, when are you thinking, if people are interested in contacting you and coming down and hunting with you, about when do you start taking people out uh, in that blind? In that blind's location, I've always told people you want to come about the first week of December. From then on, we have piles of birds in that lower part of the county. And they can just look you up, just look up River Guide Service, Yuba City, California, and I'm sure they'll find all the contact information, and we'll provide that River for you guys Service. as well. Yeah, that's it. And we're on all the social media cool. platforms and whatnot. We'll make sure everybody has that. And we can yeah. accommodate. Wonderful. Awesome. So is there anything in particular you're getting excited for uh, this duck season? Any, uh, any particular hunts you've got planned or anything special? I think nothing really big. I've been traveling every year trying to go hunt other places, eastern Washington, Idaho. Um, I, I'd love to go back east one of these years and go hunt uh, Chesapeake Bay on the east coast. But yeah. As far as our hunts here, our marsh did so well with the uh, rains, it looks amazing. So the hunts I'm going to have down there are just going to be phenomenal. I drove around out there the other day. I, looking at $10,000 sitting around out there. It's going to be great. Yeah, now I know, you know, when we were kids, you and I and Dustin, Alan, you know, we used to run out and we hunted a lot of uh, uh, just wild land, you know, just out there on the rivers and sloughs and things like that. And I know, you know, over the last few seasons, that's been tough going with the with the uh, lack of water and, and all that. But, uh, you know, it sounds to me like you guys are going to be able to get back on that this year and, and be, uh, you know, out hunting some of that ground that you probably haven't hunted in a few seasons. Yeah, very true. We get a couple of early rains here. The sap will bump way up, and like you remember, the bypass will obviously go out of its banks, and that makes for great hunting everywhere. Yeah, everywhere's a duck club then. You know, <laughs> so that's what we look forward to. It's not just a rich man's food. Yeah, exactly. Know? And I think that's a. Um, I, you know, one thing that uh, interests me is people that want to get into duck hunting. I think duck hunting is one of those things that uh, is prohibitive and maybe a little intimidating. And I wonder if uh, either you or John, either one of you, um, can kind of talk a little bit about you know, some of the ways, one of the things that we like to do is really encourage people, just like fly fishing. Uh, fly fishing is a sport that a lot of people find to be prohibitive and intimidating to get into. But if you know it, you know it's really not prohibitive and it shouldn't be intimidating. And I feel the same way about duck hunting. Uh, and I'm just wondering you know, if you guys can give some people who maybe have really considered it but have been shied away from it, if you can give them some tips on, you know, how to get going in duck hunting and, and things they can do that way. I've taken so many people hunting for the very first time. It, it's, it is a little intimidating when they get in that duck run for the first time. They don't know what they're doing. They pass their hunter safety and just always make it fun and enjoyable. It's, it's a lot of fun watching somebody fire their gun for the first time. And when they actually get their first duck, they're addicted. It's like, it's like heroin. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, they go crazy for that. And then they just want to go again and go again and go again. But I, I always suggest people 
don't run off to a refuge if you've never done it before. Go with somebody who's experienced and done these things before. And like I always say, I, I never go anywhere without a guide. I, yeah. You know, if I'm doing something I don't know what I'm doing, I always go with a guide first, you know. And yeah. get the idea of lay the foundation, the groundwork of what what it takes to get into the school. I, I agree and with once that. Once you learn that a couple of times going with somebody's experience, then you can branch out and go on your own, you know. But yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It's a lot of that. fun watching somebody who's never done it before. I think that a lot of people, whether it be fishing, hunting, whatever it is, going with a guide is is an invaluable experience. I mean, a lot. Some people look at the money or how much it costs to go with a guide, and they they go, "Oh, well, I could, you know, I could go by myself. What do I need a guide for? Go with a guide, and you'll find out." Um, some of the the knowledge, I would say, all of the knowledge that I have um, in hunting and fishing is is learned from a guide who is either a friend or somebody I pay. You know. Um, it's just an invaluable experience and um, also a great, um, it's a great business to support, you know? Uh, yeah, and I think that's important to remind people of too. You bring up a good point. A lot of people will say, oh, I was gonna go out with this guy, but it was so expensive or whatever. And I, you know, I know a lot of guides. I have a lot of friends that are guides. I mean, Aaron's one of my, my best friends in the world. And, and I mean, I don't know any rich guides. Um, and, you know, I think it's important for people to remember that, um, you know, it, it might seem like a lot of money, but if you ever have, like I have, watched what goes into what these guys do, uh, it, it's not a, a get-rich-quick scheme. It's a lot of work. There's a lot that these guys have to fork out. There's a lot of licenses and trucks and insurance and gas and equipment and, I mean, just so many different things. Uh, that you don't see and um, it, believe me they earn every dime of what they have to charge you uh, to take you out yeah especially by the time you get wear and tear of the public faith because a lot of my guys are and uh, watch your mind there again right yeah you know and uh, I, I think most importantly, tip your guide. Give, yeah. give, them, a, give them a good hefty tip. <laughs> they yeah, worked hard. <laughs> Especially if you have a good time. I mean, I, yeah. I think that there's there are some bad guides out there, and yeah. um, there are yeah. some guys, and, um, and you know what? I am a huge proponent. If you go out with a bad guide, I tell everyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a bad guide really can, they do two things. Number one, they're souring people on the sport. And number two, they're making it really hard for people like Aaron and John and a lot of these really hardworking guys to make a, a living mm -hmm. because they, they, they make it very difficult for these guys that are doing it right uh, to get the respect that they deserve. Well, I know you got to go to your dinner, man. So I'm gonna let you guys jam because um, I know I know how long it takes to drive from where you're at to where you're going. So I'm gonna let you guys go. But thank you very much for um, spending some time with us. And uh, throughout the uh, season, you know, if you guys have reports or things like that or uh, whatever, let us know, and we will certainly spread the word for you guys and hopefully get some people uh, booked down there hunting with you. I appreciate it, Bob. Uh, yeah, we'll touch base as the uh, season progresses. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank yeah, you, both. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Johnny. You got it, guys. Have a good one. We'll be talking soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
Aaron Zanoko and John Coots of River Guide Service down in Yuba City, California. Uh, thanks for those of you who hung out with us on the live stream. Uh, this We've been recording all this for the podcast. This is the mm -hmm. first time we've done this. We've got some technical difficulties to work out, but you never know until you do it. So, no. And I think we got some really good stuff, and I'm yeah. really glad that those guys uh, were able to join us. Um, and... I will say also, uh, you know, because I I grew up hunting with these guys, uh, you know, and to kind of touch on what we were talking about getting into duck hunting yeah. and stuff like that, you know, um, uh, Dustin Parsons and I, you know, when we started out and he was hunting before me, and we were laying on a on a on the levee. Yeah. You know, we were hoping that guys in duck clubs missed so that a bird would go by. Yeah. And uh, I remember doing Yeah, and they tricked me into shooting things I shouldn't. <laughs> and uh, on numerous occasions, thank you very much. Um, uh, but uh, you got a couple of uh, comments or whatever. But uh, thanks, Jamie. But uh, I think that one thing, and the reason I wanted to ask Aaron that question is that I, if you're thinking about it and you have the opportunity, 100% agree, go out with a guide, yeah. go out with somebody who knows what they're doing, but don't be intimidated. Yeah. Even if you're laying on the bank of a levee waiting for a bird to fly by and that's all you're doing, you're learning and uh, you're taking that opportunity. Alex is going, uh, you know, this next coming week, and, um, you know, who knows what he'll do, but he's going, he's trying, he's calling, he's doing his thing. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I've never really called, and um, I, this is, this will be my first time, the, you know, the, the only guy in the blind, well, I'll be the only guy in the blind, but I'm basically going by myself. But this will be my first time where it's all on me. And usually, if I go, I've got somebody who's seasoned, who, right. who you know, and that's that's uh, that's something that's going to be new to me. But I'm just going to go and do it, and, and uh, you guys will be along for the ride and watch me screw the whole thing up. But you know what? Get out there and do it. That's the important thing. Is yep. make sure that you. Make sure that you're not intimidated because, you know, the only difference between you and the guy that knows how to do it is that he already knows how to do it. Right. Somebody taught him. Exactly. You know, and he had the opportunity and, and yeah. yeah, take that opportunity. And he had to learn somewhere. Right. You know, he had to go out with somebody. He had to learn how to do something. And I, I definitely, I know that we get a lot of uh, people who email and, and direct message us and contact us about getting into uh, fly fishing and some of them getting into duck hunting. And, and I think that they are on par with a sport that people put a lot of clout on. Yep. But, and it is. I mean, it's not easy, but get out there and do it. You know, well, we're a great example. Our dad didn't duck hunt. We didn't no. have family that duck no. hunted. Um, you know, so it wasn't something that was passed down to us. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely something that we, uh, you know, I, I found an interest in uh, through friends. And, and I and, found an interest through him. Right. And yeah. and so, you know, we went out and I, we could do six of these on the stupid things that I did. I remember the first time that I picked up a fly rod. Yeah. The very first time that I went out and did it, I mean, I was it was what 24 maybe I think I was 24 when I first did it and I had grandpa's old Fenwick and I walked down to the river and there's a sea of dudes out there I mean they're just elbow to elbow and I had no idea what I was doing so I walked down far away from them so I wasn't in their way and I made an idiot of myself for days and I didn't care because I was I was learning you know yeah. and that, that's what that's what yeah now I go out and I make an idiot uh, idiot of myself and occasionally catch a fisher or two. I was going to say, I am probably <laughs> the worst 
fly fisherman <laughs> that you'll ever see on the river. But he always catches more I fish. Than always him. catch fish, though. <laughs> and it's because, you know, it's like they always say, whether it's a duck or a fish or any, you know, whatever you're doing, that fish under the water has no idea. It's not like he's under there going, oh, boy, this guy sucks. <laughs> you know? I'm not biting anything, you know. I would have if he had been cooler, you know. Uh, don't be afraid to go out and look like an ass because yeah. that's your fun. That's your that's your good time, you know. Don't let people spoil your good time by making you think you got to look cool or have fancy gear or be the best or do any of that. I want stuff. people to go out and look like morons in H and H gear. I do too. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, honest to God, that is the spirit of H and H. The reason we started this whole thing was because we were trying to do something that we felt was exclusive and we wanted to find a way to make it inclusive. Yeah. And um, and the only way to do that was for us to look dumb. We really had to put ourselves out there and we took a lot of criticism early on. Uh, we had a lot of people uh, that thought we were ruining this and desecrating the sanctity of something <laughs> and you know and you know five six years later all those people have shut up and um you know some of them haven't actually but we don't care because guess what we had a lot of fun along yeah. the way we're still having fun right. and the, our favorite thing is when somebody says you know this is going to sound dumb but I got your hat or I got your t-shirt and I just felt like that gave me a little bit of confidence and I felt like it was okay to go out and give it a Those shot. the best. And that, that's, it's, it, you know, if, if one of our uh, items has done that for you, that's, honestly, you couldn't uh, pay us a higher compliment. No, it's awesome. So, once again, that was John Coots and Aaron Zanoco from River Guide Service. Also, if you uh, are in the Yuba City or Marysville area and you have a uh, pet fish, a beta, uh, beta fish, John Coots will do yes. it for you. And yeah, John is an expert in uh, beta fish management. Um, <laughs> and if you are an attractive girl that has one, he will do it for you, and uh, you don't have to give him anything, apparently, <laughs> um, which is really cool. Um, he doesn't expect any anything, so um, just you know, call him up and tell him that you need your fishbowl cleaned. It's, it's just riverguideservice.com, right? You can find him on Facebook. Yes, uh, find John. Service. Yeah, visit John on Facebook, please, and send him a picture of your fish. Do it, you know? Just send it right now. That's what I say. Even if you're not in Yuba City or Marysville, worldwide, he's a he's a lover of betta fish. The guy, you know, here's the thing. I believe their address is on their website. So what I want you to buy one, mail it to him. If yours dies, put it in the mail. Send it to send him a picture of one. Really double down on this with him. He just has such a passion for these fish. And I, I want to just make sure that we always remind yes. him and everyone else how much he loves them <laughs> and that he would do it for free. Yeah. Yeah. He's such you a, a base He's got a heart of gold fish. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, that. guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, Johnny Angel, he said uh, in that during that process we didn't have a – a chance to respond because we were talking to the guys. He said Jimmy Jimmy Z's a legend and always will be. I believe is what he said. Um, and he's absolutely correct. He's absolutely correct. And I think that it was really cool to hear Aaron um, 
you know, as being younger than you guys growing up, I would look at guys like Dustin and Alan and Aaron and and you know, during their wilder younger days and and it's kinda neat to hear knowing all that. Mm-hmm. Neat to hear him as as a father, as 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 somebody who's matured to say what he said, I, that to me was the the gold nugget in the whole conversation. It was him him to say that you know, it's a big, it's a tall order to fill those shoes. It, it is, yeah. Uh, those of you who don't know, River God Service Legacy Business started by Jimmy, and um, right. I think that it's. Uh, I think that was cool. That was really really cool. It was, and you know, I was fortunate enough to. Um, be at Jimmy's service and um, sat there with a lot of my friends and a lot of people who grew up with that guy and um, to see the response from all of these people that had learned from him that had been on the water with him and to see what he he probably never knew what he had done no. he he went through his life and he fished and he did his job and and I don't know that he ever knew the impact that he had and, and I think that some of some of you that are out there and you might not know that I think that it was really cool for me to see that I might go my whole life and never know but there are people out there that you affect, and there are people out there. And when I watched Alan Ward and Dustin Parsons and Aaron, his son, and I, I saw these guys and so many other people, John, and I mean, I could keep naming guys for Brandon. two hours. Yeah, Brandon. I mean, yeah. just, I mean, oh, my God, the list is so huge. And every one of them had a story of how their like their literally their life was changed by this guy who just smiled and caught fish and I mean and duck hunted with them and, and did this thing and, and I think that that's the legacy. Hey, he, he didn't have a giant house. He didn't have a million dollars. He didn't have all of these crazy things. But to see all these people come out and have such a genuine love and respect and reverence for that guy really made me realize what an impact you can have when you're just sharing your passion and your love with the people around you. You know, he had it as a legacy, and I think that that's important to to note that you can't you can't buy that. Nope. You know, there's no amount of money in the world that that can um, replace the number of people at your funeral. Right. You know, really, that's the ultimate currency in my book is living a life that is so rich that there's a line of people out the door when you die. Well, it's the, the thing, too, and it's actually, it, it's people might think this is cheesy. It's, it's the Macklemore lyric, you know, and he says right there, you know, that die twice. Once when you leave the earth, and the other one the last time somebody says your name. Yeah. And, you know, people like Jimmy are very fortunate because I don't know that he'll ever die twice. 
I, I don't know, you know, uh, yeah. because somebody will always speak his name. Mm -hmm. If you go down there, you see people with his image on their boats, tattooed on their bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, that's a, that's a legacy. Yeah. And that's something that I think everybody can strive for more than money, more than riches, more than success, more than all that. But it's, it's important that. to know that the legacy is not how many fish he caught. It's not the size nope. of the fish he caught. It's how he treated people. And that's what everybody talked about. No one said, oh, that guy caught more fish yep. than anyone, or oh, this, oh, that. Everybody said his face. That's well, the guy wasn't a saint. No. But if you're a good person and you do good things, that's well, that's the thing is you don't, you know, again, it, it's not about being perfect in your whole life. Yeah. It's about, again, like I said, this is about sharing what you love. Yeah. He had a passion and he was happy to share it. He wasn't chasing people out of fishing holes. He wasn't a big jerk. He wasn't arrogant, running people off. Yeah. He was sharing his passion and his love for the sport with other people in the area who had the same passion and love for the sport. Even though there's 25 guys... 25 years younger than him right trying to do the exact same thing right and I that's one thing I could say personally that I um, feel encouraged by is is to go out and share the things that I love my passions yeah and um, and don't when somebody's trying to learn from you don't treat them like they're a bother don't treat them like they're a, a pain, yeah. you know? Yeah, it might be a little inconvenient for you, and you might go, oh, seriously? You know? <laughs> hey, I, believe me, I'm the king of, uh, uh, seriously. But, you know, take that time. Yeah. Take that time and teach people. I've been fortunate enough to teach, I don't know how many people to screen print. Yeah. And I never really understood the impact of it. it was a job. Hey, I want to learn how to screen print? Oh, screen print, great. And I I was at a trade show about two years ago, and a guy walked up to me, and he said, Cobb, I, I, I don't know if you remember me, I took your class, and I said, yeah, I remember you and your wife, you know, and he said, I had no job, I didn't know what I was going to do, I didn't know how I was going to make money, I had a barely anything left. I called you. I told you I wanted to take the class. I asked if you had a payment plan. I, he said, you gave me the class for free. I came up. I spent the money. I did it. He said, now I have a business. Now we're running and we're doing things. My wife works with us and our kids work in the business and we are you know, doing everything. And he's like, just because you took the time. Thank you. That's cool. And yeah, it was a cool moment. Yeah. And it was, it was one of those times where I realized, oh, wow. You know, I could have been a dick in that moment. <laughs> yeah. I could have said, yeah, sure. If you got the 150 bucks, yeah. come on. If yeah. you don't, piss off and go, yeah. you know, yeah. mow lawns or whatever. But I didn't. Fortunately, not not really fortunately for him. Fortunately for me. Yeah. I chose not to be a jerk in that moment. And then I got to experience that really cool moment with him at the trade show where I got to actually hear how that had changed his life. So that's cool. I think uh, I think that um, honestly, in some weird way, that was a uh, <laughs> Jamie can vouch for that. Cool. <laughs> Jamie, remember Jamie? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I think that in some kind of just strange way that uh, there's a moral to this podcast, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah first one. Yeah. And we have a moral. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know. Not the first podcast, but the first live stream Yeah, podcast. the first live stream yeah. podcast. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, just so, share your passion. Guys, 
That's going to do girls. it for us, guys and girls. Um, People of River Guide Service. Thing. Find them on Facebook and Instagram. Um, Aaron Zanoko, Johnny Coots, they'll take care of your beta fish. And John will. And have Aaron John will probably grill it in about the first 30 <laughs> seconds. John will take tender, loving care of it while you travel to Europe or other countries. Thanks, guys. Enjoy your weekend. I'm Alex. I'm Cobb. You guys, we'll talk to you soon. Be well. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. If you want to like this and share this with your friends, we'd appreciate it even more. Give us some claps on Anchor. Rate us on iTunes. Share this podcast with your friends. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you soon.